listening to Beauty and Impact, the show that gets valuable insights from changemakers disrupting the norms of beauty, wellness, and sustainability. We tackle topics like the impacts of beauty ingredients on our health and the environment, where people of color fit into the clean beauty conversation, sustainable beauty solutions, and so much more. We're your hosts and sisters, environmental activist Ashley Renee Insanwu and clinical skincare industry insider Jasmine Hill, here to spill all the green tea on beauty and sustainability. Let's go. Hey, y'all. Welcome back to another episode of Beauty and Impact. We think today's episode is pretty great. We actually have an amazing guest. Her name is Julia Collins, and she's the founder and CEO of Planet Forward, which is a company that's using the power of food to help tackle climate change. And I know, I know we're called Beauty and Impact. So why are we interviewing somebody who's in the food space? Well, I'll tell you why. It's because one sustainable solution that has me geeking out lately is regenerative agriculture. And I've been paying attention more and more to brands that use materials and ingredients sourced from regenerative farms. And our guest today is going to dive more into regenerative agriculture. And I think it's really important because it relates to where I see beauty headed. Uh, Regenerative is basically a term that's used to describe farming practices. So traditional agriculture leaves the soil barren of nutrients using practices uh, focused on profit rather than sustainability. But with regenerative agriculture, practices are implemented to rebuild soil's organic matter as well as restore soil biodiversity, which has been degraded. And these practices result in carbon drawdown and help to improve the water cycle. So in other words, this is something that really impacts climate change in a positive way. And so we're going to learn from Julia Collins about what her company is doing with regenerative agriculture. And I'm really excited about it because I think this is something that can very easily be applied to the beauty space. I think the future of beauty is regenerative. So This is going to be a great episode. Before we get into her interview, though, let's get into some beauty and sustainability news. So, Jazz, why don't you talk to everyone about what's going on in the beauty space? All right. So I've got some good news that isn't too great for your wallet, because if you are addicted to shopping at Target like me, guess what? Things are about to get a whole lot worse for you because I went into Target last week. One of the founders that we had talked to before was just launching something in there. So I wanted to go ahead and pick up some of her new products. What I did not know was Target was doing this whole new reset of their beauty department. They got in an influx of 40 new beauty brands to shop. So if you are someone like me who goes into Target for toilet paper and you come out and don't know how you just spent $150, guess what? Their beauty section now is impeccable. It's really, really merchandise very well considering how far I think it's come from just like back in the beginning days of the pandemic. And they've got a lot of brands that um, are kind of like the new cool brands that I've been seeing indie brands all over Instagram and TikTok and things right now that now that I actually get to just see things in person and pick it up, it's probably going to make it into my cart. So don't know if you've been seeing that out by you, but yeah, it's there. Don't go. Just don't go. (laughs) 
Oh, well, there you go. Bad news for your wallet, like she said. Oh, I'm curious how many Target addicts are out there who are listening to this podcast right now. Yeah, I mean, what is it that Target did it again? Um, hashtag has like millions of millions of views. So I'm sure there's a couple of them out there. I'm sure as well. What did you find? What's going on in sustainability? My news is also a downer, but it doesn't have like a positive twist like yours does. It's just oh, a downer. No. Yeah. Uh, so I wanted to talk about. I can't take any more bad news. I know. <laughs> You know what? On Instagram, I've been called the female version of Adam ruins everything. And I feel bad now. Like, oh, do I ruin things for people? Am I always the person that has bad news? (laughs) All right. What happened? What happened? So the price of the most commonly used type of recycled plastic has doubled in just a year. Wait, doubled? Yeah, doubled. Yep. Uh, to hit a new record. It's, It's companies are struggling with the pressure placed on the global supply chain. Okay, you said the price more than double, but I can't imagine you can't don't have any plastic as much as I've been hearing that there's all this plastic waste. Like, are they saying that people aren't recycling as much or why does it say anything about why the price is actually going up? So outsized demand for recycled plastic material has basically caused its prices to nearly double what they were in just the past year. And there's a new driving demand, which is the fashion industry, which kind of surprised me. But also doesn't surprise me because it started to move towards recycled plastic-based clothing. So you're seeing more demand. Oh, I didn't even know that. What is that wear? <laughs> it feels a little stiff. <laughs> it's actually pretty cool. I've been really getting into shoes made from recycled plastics. I, I love sneakers. If so. you were about to tell me recycled plastic underwear, I was going to have you off no. the show. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, sneakers made out of recycled plastics. Plastic. <laughs> I I love sneakers. And so I'm seeing more and more sneaker brands coming out that make their shoes out of recycled plastic. But another random factor is fewer people were drinking sodas this summer, which actually led to a shortage of used plastic bottles to be recycled than normal. It's not good news that recycled plastic is, is now more expensive because that's obviously going to deter companies from, from using it in their products. And we need more brands utilizing recycled materials in their products. After all, there's all this plastic waste in the world. Something needs to be done with it, right? But if it's too expensive, it's going to kind of make brands shy away from utilizing that as an option. So that's my womp womp news in sustainability. But let's pick the energy back up. It's cool. cool. Let's pick the energy back up and uh, let's talk about some cool beauty products or brands that uh, Jasmine might have to share with you all. So what's up? Like, what are you what are you going to recommend in this episode? Is it a, a product, a brand? What do you have for us? All right. I got a little bit of everything. I mean, anyway, so this product that I have to talk about really kind of want to highlight the brand this week. So I have been crushing on a brand called Global Nourish. They have a ton of different masks. Um, I took a couple with me to Arizona. That's what I was using there. There was one in particular, like a thirsty skin mask, which is really good because it was so just dry while we were in the desert. But the one that I wanted to feature today is called their glycolic cherry blossom peel so it's Ooh. like a glycolic peel in the form of a mask but the it thing sounds about it, like it smells really good does it smell really good i'm opening it right now uh-huh 
it, it just feels like I almost want to eat it. So there's a little bit dangerous there, but it has a really great sensorial, you know, just like nice scent to it, which mm. I'm so used to using products that kind of smell awful because they're just natural and they smell like nothing, right? Um, <laughs> oh, that's my world. Yeah. <laughs> I, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. But this was just, it was just so nice because it's still considered to be a clean product, but because of all the cherries that they use within this peel. So you're actually putting it on and it feels like you've got like bits of cherries on your face. You smell it. And then the thing is, it sounds like, oh, this is so natural, fluffy, fluffy. It's not going to do anything. But like, this is a peel. Like this is a peel peel. I haven't had a a cool peel like this that actually gave me a nice glycolic glow since I was working for Glytone, which was a cosmeceutical company of a product that was like sold by doctors. So this actually has a nice peel to it. No idea actually what the um, percentage of glycolic is, I should ask, but this is, this is a good stuff right here. But the thing about the company in particular that I thought was so interesting is they consider themselves to be a blue beauty company. And I'm saying this so slow because if I say it any faster, I'm going to say they are a blue booty company. I cannot say this. So, <laughs> that blue booty? you know, pardon me. I might just call them a BB company because I cannot say beauty that fast without saying booty. But um, I'm noticing it a lot more. So I started using some body care from a company called One Ocean Beauty. And I guess I should have put two and two together, but they are definitely a blue beauty company. So what does that even mean, right? (laughs) Because I know I had no idea, but like looking it up a little bit more, it was kind of cool. So, you know, I've heard of like natural beauty and green beauty and green versus blue just seems very similar, right? They aim to educate your consumer about the effects of products and what they have not only on your body, but also on the planet. Green beauty is about the transparency of ingredients. When these ingredients are sourced, how they're harvested, manufactured, what resources are used to produce the formulas, how it's packaged, and how it's distributed. So like a whole mouthful, right? So what in the world is Blue Beauty? But right. Blue Beauty- <laughs> Break it down. Right. Blue Beauty is a segment of this, but they're more concerned with the oceans, well-being, and also preservation of the ocean. So oh, cool. Yeah, I mean, it's cool. Definitely, honestly, like this definition that I'm reading of green beauty even is kind of like over my head because I think I was just looking at green beauty as kind of the crunchy things that you find in Whole Foods. Like that was really my definition. Um, (laughs) And then blue beauty for me, when I have heard of it before, I really didn't think about it this deeply. I really thought it was more about like reef safe sunscreen or maybe when you think about the packaging, because I know like right now being able to have like what's called ocean waste plastic, or you might hear the term ocean bound plastic for packaging, but apparently there are different levels to this. So what they're saying in Blue Beauty that partly, you know, it comes down to the packaging. So wasteful, unnecessary packaging you know, is unlikely to be recyclable and will end up in the ocean, damaging ecosystems of the sea and also the animals that inhabit it. But certain chemicals are also known to be harmful to marine ecosystems. So that's kind of what I was talking about with like the chemicals in sunscreen that are now starting to become um, banned. So you'll see things that claim to be reef safe. And then to me, I honestly like how they're defining 
green, how they're defining beauty. I just kind of lump it up into my own category, which is another category called conscious beauty. Yep. Another buzzword. But I do like to know basically for me, like how a company is considering like the impact of their product and their brand, because as you see, there are so many different ways to do it. So I just like to tap into and see what a brand does before I kind of make a jump to support them. All right, sis, what about you? What did you find that was hopefully cool and maybe a little bit more simple, but knowing you probably not? (laughs) I'm going to try my best to keep this simple, but... I'm a little nervous. I feel like I'm not going to be able to say this simplistically because it's something I'm geeking out over. So how many of you guys know about the vegan skincare line Bybee? So they just came out with the world's first carbon negative skincare product. It's called Glow Current Booster. And so its carbon footprint is negative because it's made using low carbon ingredients and it sequesters carbon throughout its supply chain from cradle to gate. So basically it's like it's it's capturing more carbon than it emits through its packaging. Yeah, what? (laughs) Is that better? It, It captures more carbon than it emits through its packaging and production. I think that's a more simplistic way of like breaking it down. Big thing with them is not doing the carbon offsets though, yes, right? Right, right, right. So so most brands that claim to be carbon negative, they say they're carbon negative through carbon offsetting. And so if you don't know what carbon offsetting is, it's basically a way for brands to compensate for the emissions uh, that they create by, you know, funding an equivalent amount of carbon dioxide savings elsewhere. So like maybe they might invest in, um, you know, projects that tackle climate change to make up for, you know, the, the, the carbon footprint that they created in developing their product. But see, Bybee's not doing that. They're not trying to make up for what they did. They're literally sequestering carbon, a- aka drawing carbon down from the atmosphere during the production of their products, which is actually really cool. And I, I apologize if I'm geeking out and this is going over your head, but I, I'm just really excited about this. So, okay, here's here's another thing about it that I thought was cool that maybe doesn't sound as geeky. Okay, so it's made from a sugarcane bottle with a compostable cap and nozzle. Ah, that's pretty easy to understand. Yeah. So what do you think about that? But what is the product? Like, what does it do? Oh, you know what? I'm sorry, y'all. I should have led with that. I um, heard glow current. And so I'm uh, thinking to myself, like, maybe it's like a funky form of grape. A glowy grape? What's happening here? Uh, I apologize. So sometimes I'm still working on this. You know, when you're a geek, you can sometimes get so caught up in the science that you forget about the practicality aspects of what you're talking about. And, you know, the practical part about what I'm I'm talking about is like what the product actually does, which should be what you guys care about. First and foremost, like if I'm going to buy it because it's sustainable, like why am I even buying it if I don't know what it does? So it's a... Oil, facial oil. (laughs) (laughs) Next time around, we're going to have Ashley lead with like what the product is. And then we're going to go into all the great details about it. But I mean, I think that this is cool because I think for a lot of brands, it's it's hard to tackle things from the supply chain side. And, you know, in full disclosure, we've already chatted to the lovely ladies of Bybee to be able to get a sneak peek of exactly what went on behind the creation of this, which you guys will get soon. Um, But it was just amazing to see how much that they championed their 
vendors and different people to make sure that this product got to the point of carbon neutrality that it did. All right. So that's it with our beauty and sustainability news and our product and brands that we wanted to spotlight today. Now let's get into the main event. All right, Ash. And I'm so excited for today's guest because this guest in particular, it's like such a small world, especially like when you're talking about like people in New York and things like that. But this guest is actually a good friend of some of my closest friends. So I'm so excited that we got to have her on the podcast and share this beautiful human with our audience. So Ashley, why don't you tell us a little bit more about the lovely Miss Julia Collins? Yes. So Julia Collins is the founder and CEO of Planet Forward. Planet Forward is using the power of food to help tackle climate change. They created Moonshot, which is a brand of climate-friendly snacks made from regenerative ingredients. So remember in the beginning of the episode, we talked a little bit about regenerative agriculture. They also developed software that provides other food brands with regenerative resources to make climate-friendly products. But enough of me gushing about what she does and what her company does. Instead, let's go straight to the source and jump right in to our interview with the one and only Julia Collins. Here we go. All right, Julia, thank you so much for joining us today. We have been both wanting to chat with you for quite a while now. Like as soon as we um, decided that we wanted to do the Beauty and Impact podcast, we knew we had to have you on here. So we're just going to dive right in because what you're doing is so incredible in your space. And we want to let everyone know a little bit about what your company does. So just start out by talking about what is Planet Forward and what does uh, your company do? Absolutely. So Planet Forward is a company on a mission to help tackle climate change. And the way that we do that is by really powering consumer companies to achieve net zero emissions. It's often surprising to many people to learn that more than 60% of global emissions come from consumer products and services. And actually, it's really surprising for people to learn that food, you know, land use and food systems accounts for more than a third of global emissions. So if we want to fix climate change, we have to fix consumer products and we have to fix food. And that's exactly what we do at Planet Forward. Our belief is that if we make it really easy for consumer brands to understand their carbon footprint, to reduce their carbon footprint, and to get on a path to net zero, if we make it easy, then more brands and more companies will do exactly that. So that's our solution. We use technology as well as really smart humans to just power the next generation (laughs) of ultra-sustainable products and brands. Amazing. It's so cool. And I think it's it's really cool because, you know, Planet Forward is the overall umbrella. And then underneath the umbrella of what you all are doing, you have created a really awesome brand called Moonshot Snacks that launched last year. So we want to talk a little bit with our listeners about why people should really feel good about buying a product that uses regenerative agriculture, because it may not necessarily be a term that people understand yet or have really heard about um, within our audience. And then how does it ultimately empower consumers to make sustainable changes in their life through their consumption choices? Absolutely. So if we get in our, you know, 
spaceship and travel back to 2017. Um, I was <laughs> at home with a, a tiny new baby. And like yeah. many of us Aww. too, they experience these big life events, whether it's a new baby or a marriage or moving to a new city. I just started to rethink everything about the world around me. And within the context of being a mom, I became deeply concerned about just the condition of the planet. You know, what was it going to mean to raise this little boy on a planet that was, you know, in the midst of such upheaval and where I couldn't guarantee to him that he would live in a world that was as beautiful and healthy as the one that I lived in. So I just felt angry. I felt scared and I wanted to take action. And my first idea for building Planet Forward was to create just, just one product. I thought, what if I could actually create a product that got consumers, that got people, that got other brands excited about taking a stand on climate change? And so my vision was to build a snack brand. Um, why snacks? Well, you know, everybody snacks. <laughs> snacks are a six hundred yeah. <laughs> A $605 billion global market, 94% of Americans report snacking every day, and snacks make up the bulk of our calories, at least in my household. So I thought if I can... (laughs) I I will be included. (laughs) Right? I think it would be hard-pressed to find someone who didn't snack. I don't know who's in that 6% that doesn't. (laughs) For Moonshot was like to just create a delicious, delightful, exciting brand that started a conversation. So yes, we make these amazing crackers, um, but it isn't so much about the crackers. It's about everything that goes into making them. So when we talk about regenerative agriculture, what we're talking about is an approach to farming that helps to put more back into the system than it takes out. For example, regenerative agriculture helps to promote healthier soil and healthier soil means healthier ingredients. So ingredients that have better nutrient density. So you actually are more nourished by the food. Healthier soil is more productive. Healthier soil is also more resilient. So when we see extreme weather as a result of climate change, these healthy farm systems that are being managed using regenerative practices are better able to withstand, you know, some of the, the big effects of extreme weather that we've been seeing. I have to say also that, you know, indigenous approaches to connecting with the land are incredibly important to center when we talk about climate change and agriculture. Um, For millennia, indigenous people have been protecting the land that they stand on and feeling connected Mm -hmm. to it, not separate from it. And so as much as I am a proponent of regenerative agriculture, I would be remiss if I didn't say the, the better and more important philosophical discussion, I think, is how can human beings restore their connection to the planet and really use Mm. indigenous wisdom as a way to, to look at that. Mm, I love that. And honestly, like what I love about everything that you're doing is that it revolves around this whole concept of regeneration, which is something I'm obviously very, very passionate about. It's a term that I kind of came in contact with, I don't know, maybe in 2019, 2020. So it was like after I'd started my sustainability journey. And um, what resonated with me about it was that I'd been looking at sustainability from a very specific standpoint, because like the, the basic concept of sustainability is that like we're talking about slowing down 
quote unquote, right? Slowing down the damage that's being done to the planet, right? But if we we really want to protect our kids and future generations, which we all want to do, especially as moms, you know, we need to do more than just slow it down. And that just really hit me like, oh, shoot. Yeah. Sustainability is just about slowing it down. It doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to prevent the damage from eventually happening down the line. So we need to actually reverse it altogether, right? So can you elaborate more on like what that difference is between the mainstream concept of sustainability and say like this more regenerative approach to sustainability? Like what's the difference? Absolutely. So yeah, the old thinking, the old guard, sort of the conventional wisdom or conventional you know, way that we talk about sustainability really is built on this idea of more of the same, right? Like continuing to stay steeped in the same paradigms that I think haven't worked so far. What I would say is that there's nothing that we're doing in the world of business right now that should be sustained, right? Mm -hmm. And so sustainability means to sort of, like you said, slow down the degradation marginally, And what is so important about the regenerative mindset or the regenerative framework is that it's absolutely about, you know, healing. Like it's not just about slowing things down. It's actually about reversing the damage. Mm -hmm. And we think about regeneration within the context of our own bodies, right? Our bodies are incredible at doing this after injury, after childbirth, after sickness, our bodies have this uncanny ability to knit themselves back together often. And, you know, a healthy, you know, body with a healthy immune system is able to regrow itself. This is the same when Mm -hmm. we look at our natural systems, right? A healthy system is able to repair itself after a fire or a flood. And actually this regenerative paradigm, I think more closely matches what we can learn from the natural world And that is why I think it resonates with so many people when they hear it, right? First, it makes you feel a lot more hopeful. You don't just want to slow down the bad. You want to bring in the good, right? You don't want to just put a bandaid on something. You actually want to build it better. So I think thinking about regenerative systems is important, not just within the context of agriculture, but also regenerative systems in the social framework, regenerative businesses and regenerative communities. Yeah, I love the whole concept of a regenerative business. And I think that's how we need to approach sustainability um, more going forward. Okay, so not only does Planet 4 create climate-friendly food products like Moonshot Snacks, we talked a little bit in the beginning about how there is a second part to your business and the whole second part to the movement, which relates to software. So, You developed the software that can really help tackle climate change. So I want to know a little bit more about the tech side of the brand and how you're helping even other brands be able to be more climate friendly with the software that you've developed. Absolutely. So when we were building Moonshot, you know, we had so much conviction and energy that we wanted to create a very climate friendly brand. But even with all of that conviction and all of that energy, it was really difficult It was really challenging for us to understand our carbon footprint. It was really challenging for us to know what claims we could make. It was challenging to be able to make, you know, a plan to reduce our emissions. It was really challenging for us to navigate the offset market to get to carbon neutral. 
And so we decided to actually build a technology solution to solve all of those problems for other brands. So what we do on the technology side of Planet Forward is we make it really, really easy for brands in food, in fashion, in beauty to understand their carbon footprint at the product level. So the footprint for, you know, a jar of lotion or the footprint for a whole company. We make it really easy for brands to understand that. And then we show them exactly where their footprint's coming from. Is it their packaging? Is it their distribution? Mm. Is it the ingredients? And then we go a step further to help them say, okay, if you were to source this ingredient versus that one, you could reduce your emissions by this margin. So we really give brands the data and the expertise to understand their carbon footprint, to reduce that carbon footprint. And then when they're ready to get to carbon neutral, because we absolutely believe that all brands have the power to build a net zero company. And if we do that, then we will have created one of the most scalable solutions for tackling climate change. There is no silver bullet solution, but every brand has a lot of power and every brand, frankly, has the responsibility to do their part because we don't have forever to get this done. We really need to make the most sweeping changes that we can to take action on the climate in this decade. Oh, I love that. And you know what? I'm curious about what small brands can do if they don't have big budgets. Like, do you have to have a big budget in order to be climate friendly? Like, is this something that small brands can do? Being climate friendly is within reach of every single brand. And you do not have to have a big budget to do this work. In fact, often a great place to start is with deciding that you'll be a carbon neutral company. From the very beginning, a brand can decide that they're going to be, you know, carbon neutral and Planet Forward can absolutely help. So please reach out to me, you know, anyone who's listening that has a brand that wants to take action on the climate. I'd love to help you. You can find me at Julia E. Collins on Instagram. Just DM me or find me on LinkedIn. But that's one way to start. Deciding that you're going to be carbon neutral is a great way to, sh- to start. Another place where brands can have a big impact is in thinking about how they source their ingredients. And so incorporating Mm -hmm. organic and regeneratively grown ingredients into products can really move the needle, not only on carbon emissions, but also on other aspects of sustainability, like soil health, ocean health, and human health. So really being careful about the way that you source your ingredients is a really important part of building a climate-friendly brand from the very start. Oh, that's awesome. That that gives me so much hope. And like, you know, for all the little brands out there, because, you know, I think some people might feel intimidated by, you know, the thought of trying to be sustainable as a, a new player in the industry, as like a new founder, um, you know, they might not know how they can go about making their brand sustainable and climate friendly. They might think that, oh, you know, this is just something that only big brands can do. But it sounds like from what you're saying, like anybody can do it. And especially if you're you're just starting out, it's probably an advantage for you to build your brand to be sustainable versus like trying to go back and, and do it later. Absolutely. I, I, I know and understand as somebody who built a small brand that it can seem challenging, but When we look at Moonshot and the way that it's performed in the last 12 months, 
We have beat every revenue projection, every retail distribution projection, every DTC projection by a huge margin because we invested in sustainability or regeneration from the start. And I'll just give you some quick data points. Like 70% of consumers in the U.S. and Canada think it's important that a brand is sustainable or eco-friendly. Oh, wow. 70%. So when brands make the investment in sustainability, customers will reward them. And brands who make this investment from the very beginning are going to outperform the market. So although Mm -hmm. it requires a little bit more thoughtfulness on a brand's part, it's definitely a smart strategy for building not only a brand that you can feel proud of and that will stand the test of time, but a brand that consumers are really going to love because today's consumer wants to buy from sustainable brands. That gives me so much hope. That was actually a question that I was going to ask you because I wanted to understand more of like the consumer demand of sustainable climate friendly products. You know, I wanted to know like, are people actually asking for it? You know, of course, my hope is that that's a a resounding yes. And it sounds like it is. And so I guess let's like piggyback off of that a little bit more. So since people are demanding sustainable products, which Yay, that makes me so excited. What are like the terminology that you see people are using? Like when they're searching for sustainable products, are they looking for like, I don't know, terms like sustainability or eco-friendly? Like, because there's so many, right? Like, and I, I, I notice like a lot of brands are also greenwashing now too. So I just want to know like what I'm trying to gauge what the average like consumer's understanding of sustainability is when it comes to buying products and like what terms they're looking for and what terms they should be looking for when they're trying to buy products. Absolutely. I, we often see that organic continues to be a really important term for customers Mm -hmm. across food, fashion, and beauty because the organic industry has, you know, done such a good job of really creating meaning for that term. And because in many cases, you know, organic agriculture is a really important climate solution, as well as a solution for human health, right? We really want to be promoting methods of agriculture that are healthy for the soil, but also for the healthy for the people farming them. And so, you know, eliminating these really toxic nitrogen-based fertilizers is, is, is really important and herbicides and pesticides and all of the things. So organic continues to be a term that's really important. We also see that, that consumers are looking for the word sustainable and that regenerative is really trending. Mm. Moonshot did some research on this and we found that 44% of our customers actually learned about regenerative agriculture from our box, from the definition that we have on our box. So it's amazing. And I think brands have such a huge opportunity to be, you know, agents for change by helping their customers understand this changing landscape and by Mm -hmm. really creating meaning. We often trust our brands, you know, more than we trust other sources of information. And so it's Mm -hmm. really important that brands lean into that power and create meaning for their customers. So what I'm I'm getting from this is, you know, brands 
who, I don't know, might be scared to go the sustainability route because maybe they think, oh, you know, not enough people care about it or are leaning into it, or maybe they themselves don't understand, you know, um, sustainability, they should lean into it and just trust the process and trust that, you know, education is key. And that even if they think that their customers might not understand it, or maybe looking for it, they have the power to now educate their consumer on something that they should be thinking about. So it's, it's actually a great thing. Like you, the fact that people are now learning about regenerative um, agriculture because of your brand is huge. And you can honestly say genuinely that your brand is changing the world. I appreciate that so much. And I think because people are learning about this new concept through our brand, they feel connected to the brand. And so when we look at our repurchase rates and our retention and referral rates, again, we outperform the market because we've created this extra level of meaning. It's not just about buying a box of tasty crackers. It's about being a part of a movement that you believe in. And when you invest in sustainability, when you invest in regeneration, that's what you're doing. You're creating more than just a product. You're creating a connection and a relationship with your customer. Love it. Love, love, love. And Jasmine, since you are heavily into like the beauty side of things, I'm sure you want to know how this can be applied to the beauty space. So what are your thoughts on that, Jasmine? You know, we were talking a little bit about like regenerative farming practices. And we talked a little bit before about like how Ashley, you and I kind of went to understand it. And we understand it a lot more within, let's say, like regenerative business models. We've been looking at that versus like circular model, different things like that. And then even just kind of going back into like family history, a little bit about farming practices in India, right? So like the different ways that they were farming with um, like our parents um, had a farm in India. And so our mom would tell us different things about like how they till the soil differently or like they will actually like rotate crops. Because again, as we start listening and learning more about like these terms, we started hearing more about like, oh, wow, you know, there's different things that were being done already that is considered regenerative, but maybe we just weren't as on top of what the the language was behind it. But specifically for like the beauty industry, between beauty and fashion, are there ways that these regenerative farming practices can be applied in those same industries? So that maybe becomes an opportunity also for those other industries to begin to use Planet Forward and the tech capabilities of it as well. Absolutely. I love this question. And I just want to, before I answer the question, I just want to address something you said, which I think is really important. And I kind of mentioned this early on, but, you know, regenerative agriculture is a term or a terminology that is becoming popular now. And it's all good. It's it's great for us to support the type of agriculture that it describes. But it's very important for us to recognize that not only indigenous people, but also in many places in the world, like India, where your family's farm is, they have been using this wisdom and working with this wisdom and creating these incredibly regenerative systems for thousands of years. Right? There's mm-hmm. nothing new that we need to bring or teach people who have already been doing this work. And so I just want to pause and say, like, I hear you and I appreciate that so much. And while we do want to support this pra- these practices of farming, let's not run away with a narrative that tries to pretend that regenerative agriculture is something that was just invented <laughs> in America a few years ago, right? 
But when we think about what beauty brands can do, so I love that you have already thought about circularity. Packaging is a huge impact for any beauty brand. So that's an important place to start. I do think that where brands are sourcing from agriculture, where brands are sourcing botanicals, there's an opportunity to source from regenerative systems. But it starts with really understanding your supply chain, right? So small brands, Mm -hmm. medium brands, large brands all have issues with supply chain transparency and really understanding where their core materials are coming from. So I'd say a first step for any beauty brand is to deeply understand your supply chain and to do an inventory of every single ingredient and understand where it's coming from. And then once you have that clarity, you can begin asking questions or looking for alternatives. And in some cases, you may be able to source, you know, ingredients that are grown or produced in regenerative systems. I will say, though, again, the easiest things that any consumer brand can do is to start with that carbon neutral framework, right? Start with the thing that you can really do first that has such a big impact. And that's measuring your carbon footprint, making a plan to reduce it, and then going neutral. And again, I'm here to help, you know, anyone who wants to go on that path. So I'd say carbon neutral is a really strong stance for any new brand entering the market and for any existing brand that doesn't want to lose share to a more sustainable competitor. So I love, you know, especially, you know, the the disclaimer almost that you mentioned earlier about like, you know, indigenous populations and how regenerative agriculture is, is nothing new under the sun, right? This has been around for years. It's not something that Americans invented. Other populations have been practicing regenerative agriculture for so long. So I, I really appreciate you mentioning that because, you know, here in the United States, it, 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 sometimes we tend to act like we, we invent concepts which, you know, we, we, we have not, right? <laughs> These concepts have been around for ages. So thank you so much for clarifying that for anyone who's listening who maybe has not heard of regenerative agriculture before, um, and this is their first time hearing about it, you know, please know that this is something that has been around for, for ages. Um, and so this kind of like leads me to our final question that we actually wanted to talk to you about which is, you know, how social justice intersects with climate justice. Uh, I, I feel like this is a topic that has especially come to the forefront, you know, within the last couple of years, which has made me very, very proud to see um, that so many people are now talking about this. And so I would love to hear your insights and your perspectives on this topic. So like, you know, how do you feel social justice intersects with climate justice? Absolutely. So there is no social justice without climate justice. And it is absolutely true that the worst of what will happen in the context of a rapidly warming planet will disproportionately affect black and brown communities. We already see that happening with frontline communities all over the world. So in order for us to protect these communities, to support these communities, to continue to see growth and development in these areas, we have to address climate change. Um, Mm -hmm. So often, you know, when you look at the folks who are writing the climate action narrative, um, they don't look like us. They are not coming from Mm -mm. these communities. It is often a very white, very male-led narrative. And the world all of a sudden, because, you know, the next tech trillionaire 
decides to write about it is paying attention. But it is very much mm-hmm. the case that, you know, frontline communities have been fighting this battle for tremendously long. And it's really important to center our narratives around climate justice within the context of communities of color, I would say. Ooh, I agree. And I thank you so much for highlighting that. And that's why I'm so happy we're, we're ending on this note, because I think for far, far, far too long, communities of color have not been a part of this conversation. Um, you know, it's like we've understood it. We've, we've known that it, it impacts us, but we don't often get included in the conversation. And that's because like a lot of the people who are the face of this movement, like you said, they don't look like us. And they are the ones that have historically been leading the conversations and coming up with the solutions and, and driving, you know, this particular movement. But, you know, when we're the ones that have been disproportionately impacted by the effects of climate change, it makes complete and total sense for us to be centered in this movement. So I really appreciate you bringing that up and, and answering that last question, because it's it's one that is very near and dear to my heart. So thank you for that. And I think it goes back to what Jasmine said earlier, which is, you know, we move the culture. So we need to be vocal and we need to be loud. My friend Henry said to me the other day, he's like, Julia, sustainability is the new ballin. Like, yeah, talking about, right? This is what we need to be bragging about. I love those memes that are like, I want to be super rich, but not like Bentley rich, like rich, like with a regenerative farm. Hey, I love that. Yes. Yeah, reframing what success looks like, reframing what beauty mm. looks like, what reframing what wealth looks like within the context of regeneration, I think is the best thing that black and brown people can do to carry the conversation forward. Mm, yeah, I am feeling it. Like I am filled with so much electricity because I I definitely see more and more, you know, black and brown people just feeling so empowered to be excited about sustainability. Like I always like to say things like, you know, sustainability is sexy or like in my bio on Instagram, I put sustainability for the culture because like I really just want all of us to know that this is for us. Like this is not a white thing. This is an everybody thing. This is an all of us thing. And we're all being impacted by this. So we should all care about it. So I'm really excited to see how the image of sustainability is shifting. And so many of us are just getting so excited and hype about it. It just, it warms my heart. So yes, let's do it. Let's move the culture forward. (laughs) Cool. Well, oh my gosh, it has been so lovely talking to you. I've been so excited for this conversation. I am just in love with everything that you're doing. Gosh, Planet Forward is just such an incredible company that you've created and Moonshot Snacks, for you to be starting with that underneath Planet Forward, I just think it was so brilliant because like you said, everyone snacks, right? So if you really want to, you know, reach a large number of people, you, you do it through their stomachs. So <laughs> I thought that was pretty a pretty brilliant way to get people talking about sustainability, especially in our community. So very, very brilliant. So while we're talking about Moonshot Snacks, like let, let everyone who's listening know where they can find Moonshot Snacks. I actually have a box that I just uh, killed off upstairs. <laughs> well, every box is helping to tackle climate change. So go ahead and stuff your face. Yeah. But yeah, please follow yeah. Moonshot Snacks on Instagram. You can also buy us online at moonshotsnacks.com or in your local grocery store. Um, We have national distribution with lots of grocery stores. You can find out which one's on our website. And if you don't see us at the grocery store, ask somebody. 
tell them tell them to carry moonshot snacks and it's very likely that they will yeah supply and demand right we got to be loud yes please support julia and moonshot snacks y'all like if you don't see moonshot snacks you need to use your voices and tell your grocery stores to stock them because this is important like we want to see more brands like this that are actually moving the needle forward in sustainability you know on the shelves of your grocery stores and so we can do that by using our voices and speaking up so thank you so much julia it has been lovely and Oh my gosh, just good luck um, with everything that you're doing. And I just, I can't wait to see uh, where you guys go next. Thank you, Ashley. Thank you, Jasmine. This is the highlight of my week. I'm so glad that I had time <laughs> with you. Um, yeah, yes. thanks for having me on. All right. Thank you for tuning into Beauty and Impact today. If you got any gems from this episode, please subscribe to us wherever you're listening and show us some love by writing a review. It helps other beauties looking to make an impact just like you find the show so they can listen too. And while you're waiting for the next episode to drop, just go ahead and hit us up on Instagram at Beauty and Impact. We'd love to hear from you. All right. That's it. We'll catch you in the next episode with more green tea on beauty and sustainability. Beauty and Impact.